is never the underdog. Yes, sir. Sir. He's never the underdog. Yes, What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined with my co-host, Raul and Shu. Got a special guest. Welcome back, Brian Geisinger. Um, if you listened back in January, he joined us. I think that was right after the Wake Forest game. So wanted to have him back on, talk a little bit about, um, obviously, Duke's season's kind of significantly been altered and changed since then. A lot of new developments. Um, if you're not familiar, Brian's a sports writer over at 247 Sports, co-host of the BuzzBeat podcast. In my opinion, he's writing some of the most like analytically friendly stuff out there right now in terms of just sets and having video to back that up. A um, little overwhelming sometimes, but it's great <laughs> content to be able to just... Uh, it's nice to go back and see that because it's really hard as a fan to pick up on these things like in real time unless you're just really specifically looking at it. Um, so, yeah, we're happy to have Brian back. And shoot, I think you wanted to take the first one here, talk a little bit about kind of the Spain pick and roll, some of the stuff we're doing, and our guy Jay Roach. Yeah, so last time we had Brian on, I uh, wasn't a- available to get to speak to him, but he he did point out in uh, kind of explaining that Spain pick and roll, um, and it was a question I had. So we were running uh, Flip as the first screener, and he was diving down to the paint. Whereas mm-hmm. Ryan Young was the the second guy at that time, uh, kind of probably before Lively kind of emerged, but he was kind of pivoting out. And I, my question was like, why are those guys not flipped? Why aren't you having Flip as the second guy, kind of pick and popping? Because Ryan Young can score in the paint, or at that time could. Um, <laughs> Rip. <laughs> sorry, uh, but uh, I think you pointed out maybe that we were using Flip, you know, to to draw more fouls and, and whatnot. But so. Yeah. You know, at that time, obviously, we're running that a lot, and, and I haven't seen us do that lately. Um, so what what are the, some of the things you've seen from us, you know, in the last month or so? Yeah, they they have sort of like two ways they still get to that. They still get to like the Spain look, not doing it maybe quite as much, but they do it now where like the one that I see them doing the most is they start out like in a horns look. And this is actually mm-hmm. the way a lot of their like sets start. And like Flip will like pick a side. They'll usually go out to like the left, like he'll go out to like the left wing and uh, Proctor will throw him a pass and then like he'll kick it to um, like Roach coming out of the corner. Roach will throw it back to Proctor and then Grandison, really using Grandison as like the back screener now. So like Lively comes up, sets the ball screen, Grandison flows in from the corner and he's the one setting the back screen and then popping out, which is like, is a, like, that's a great use of Grandison. I mean, Mm. like, I know he's sort of uh, been kind of like limited into like the, you know, the space forward screener, you know, pick and pop. And obviously they use them to like slip out a lot of like double screen actions. And so the Spain look kind of works like that too. And then there's another Spain play they get to where it's just straight Spain pick and roll. And, you know, Grandison's the one setting the back screen flip is so versatile that you can just on those sets, like you can just space them out, you know? And obviously like you want flip to have the ball as much as possible. And you want him to have it in the middle of the court and you want him involved, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, he's 29% used to trade. It's okay if he has a possession off to <laughs> to chill in the corner and, uh, and you know, try to get lively going downhill for a lob and see if he can get the um, the back pick and the pop for Grandison. And it's not a bad way to try to also get uh, someone like Tyrese Proctor downhill too. Like, I think, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about Proctor and his development this season has been, on both sides of the floor, has been huge for Duke. But, uh, even as he's made strides as a playmaker, you know, he's not the like the the burstiest guy with the ball. So he can't just like turn the corner. He's not going to be able to just like run at drop coverage and finish over the top of guys. And so sometimes I think on those like stack looks, it's nice because it gives him a little bit, maybe a little bit more of a runway to kind of get deeper, especially if the opponent's playing drop. So I've seen them doing that a lot. Uh, one of the other things I've seen from them a lot, I've written about uh, this... Um, the Iverson uh, series. Yeah, the Iverson series. Okay. It's a it's a nice way to feature Roach. Um mm-hmm. 
especially as like again he it's been really cool to see he and proctor sort of like figure out the like this is around the time a year ago where it felt like the divisions of labor sort of like figured themselves out for duke from a playmaking standpoint and obviously a lot of that was running through ben caro and mm-hmm. i mean why not you know yeah, sure. <laughs> when you got right. a uh, a six foot ten supercomputer out there. You should probably use them as much as possible. But um, yeah, so on those sets, you'll see Roach. He'll usually start like on the left wing, and Duke basically comes out in this like it's like a one four look high. Roach will come across the formation left to right, and he'll come across a screen at one elbow from Flip, one elbow from Lively. Those are the the Iverson screens. This is the Iverson cut. This is the old Larry Brown. Uh, for Allen Iverson play, and then Roach will catch it on the right wing, and then you know Proctor will throw it to him, and then from there, there's a couple of different things they can flow into. Yeah. Um, one thing they'll have is they'll have Proctor as soon as he ca- pitches it to Roach, he'll then cut down like off a UCLA cut off of like a screen from Lively, um, and then Roach will swing the back ball, the ball back around to flip, and then Proctor after coming off that UCLA screen and going like kind of below the basket will then come up for a dribble handoff. And so that's another zoom, way. That's the, the zoom. Exactly. Yep. Zoom yep. or Chicago yep. action. You you know, in college, it seems to be called Zoom. Uh, NBA feels like they call that, they call that sort of like gut, you know, you know, pinned down into a DHO. They call that Chicago, but it's the same thing. Um, you see them doing a lot of uh like they flow to just like empty corner pick and roll with Roach, yep. which is like great. Like lively is built like when lively plays in the NBA, he's gonna run a ridiculous amount of empty corner pick and roll. Like, and you can see like Shire is really dialed. Like going back to the, it was the Boston college game in, in December. Um, and that was when Duke really like hammered BC in Cameron with empty corner ball screens for, for lively. And it was like the best game lively offensively had had at that point of his career. Um, and, um, but anyways, the, so they can get to, Empty corner pick and roll with with Lively and Roach after that. If that's not there, like if the if the ball screen happens, no advantage is created. Roach will then pitch it back to Flip in the middle of the court, and then they'll engage on that Zoom or Chicago mm-hmm. action on the left side of the court, where, um, you know, probably it's probably like Mitchell setting a screen for Proctor to catch the ball and then come off the. The DA like pin down into the DHO from Filipowski. And so that that way they can get that like now they've just got the ball side to side and they've used how many screens and you know they can usually create an advantage at some point off that. Um and then what's really nice is when you have flip as the guy setting the handoff action, well then he can pop too. And so all mm-hmm. of a sudden now you got now you've got some really nice kind of like like you're all of a sudden threatening the defense at multiple levels of the court and you've moved them side to side. So I, I really like when when they when they can kind of get to some of that stuff. And then I also like when they do um like I would call this like wedge or ram pick and roll, but they'll throw it to again, Roach comes across on the Iverson looks, he catches it on the right side. And then lively as opposed to going and set immediately setting that ball screen for Roach He'll go and he'll set an off-ball screen for like Filipowski. And then Filipowski will come off of that into the ball screen for Roach. So it's like a it's a screen the screener, mm-hmm. empty corner ball screen look. And I, I really, you know, it's a good way. That's to, not the 77, is it? The I think of I mean, if, if they were both like they also get the 77 out of sure. Iverson, but I think of 77 as like the double, the double the double ball screen. Yeah. You know what I okay. mean? Yeah. Um as opposed to like when it's screen the screener like that, I usually refer to that as wedge or ram. Um, but they do a lot of like they there's they do a lot. They do seventy seven out of Iverson, and they do seventy seven out of Pistol too. And like that's the play that, um, that they just went when they beat Miami in the in the ACC tournament last year in twenty twenty two. That was the play they ran like twenty five straight <laughs> possessions in that game. Pistol seventy seven, just like. Come get it. And, you know, I mean, Miami, who was, you know, would aggressively trap ball screens last mm-hmm. year. Um, and Duke had just enough had, you know, an abundance of playmakers on the backside to really like puncture that and capitalize on those four on threes, even against, you know, good help defenders like Jordan Miller and stuff. But, you know, it's when you throw it to backside to Bancaro and, you know, it's 
Yeah. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. but time to go to bed. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so, and, and they've gotten to some of that still this year and including recently too. And I I think that's like a really good action for them and a nice way to like, any of those like pistol looks are like a great way to sync up uh, Proctor and Roach too. And I think it was something before the season, you know, those are like the, there's a lot of ways to define like what 21 or pistol is, but it's a lot of those like early offense on like the left or the right flank, like a, like a ball screen between the two guards or a DHO between the two guards that then flows into something else mm-hmm. like another pick and roll or uh, the double high ball screens, the 77 action. And again, like you have two really good guards in Roach and Proctor. So, I mean, that's a nice way to sort of like early on in the defense, like, you know, Duke is not like the, the paciest of offenses, you know? So like, that's a nice way to, I think, kind of like try to flirt with some early and secondary offense and see if you can poke holes in some coverages and and maybe get a bad switch or, uh, you know, any, any of the sort of like quick hitting screen actions, I think are, are, are good looks for, for Duke. And then what I would say is one of the things that's helping connect all of this has been, and I'd be curious to know like what your guys and what y'all's interpretations of, of this have been too. But I think Mark Mitchell's movement as a cutter is like, I mean, he's been, Mitchell's been pretty, but like he's been like a, a workhorse for them all season. Mm-hmm. And I think he's been pretty good all season too. Um, you know, he's, he's limited certainly with his own shot creation and he still makes some mistakes defensively, but like his movement on both sides of the court. But if we're focusing on offense now, I think it's been really good. And there's a lot of times where like he, he breaks through at the last second with just some weak side cut from the slot or from the, you know, in the dunker spot. And he just, he's the guy that ends up finishing the play or gets draws a foul. And I just, yeah, I give him a lot of credit. I think he's one, it shows like, you know, he's playing with, you know, effort and a good motor, et cetera. But no, I think there's a, I think there's a caniness to some of that. And I think there's like a, a, a like he's, she's showing feel uh, hmm. that's pretty, I think pretty like off ball feel for a, a rookie forward um, that I think is, is pretty impressive. And then the last play type that I would want to, touch on for them that I think is worth highlighting. I'm sure you guys have talked about it on the pod or or at least noticed it while watching these games, but the empty side two-man action with Roach and Flip mm-hmm. has been it's I think it's their like most dependable play. I think it's the like the okay, we we tried to run something, it didn't work. There's 13 seconds left on the shot clock. All right, throw it to Roach on the left wing and Flip go set a ball screen for him. Um, because and, we know Roach can get to that mid-range game. Exactly, you know, so. exactly, and, and just like there's no like great coverage for it, right? right? Like if you drop, if you drop on that, well, Roach, like you just said, like Roach can get to the pull you. up. Yeah. If you switch, well, you you just put a point guard on Kyle Filipowski, <laughs> yeah, like going he's going right to go you, yeah. bulldoze him in the yep. post. Um, if you trap, then you put then flip gets open on the um you know, on the, on the short rolls, which is yep. what he carved Miami up with uh, in Greensboro last week. Like him just making, making, he's so good in those pockets of space because, you know, he's got really nice touch. He can draw contact. He can get downhill. And obviously he's shown he the ability pass too. Yeah. to make, yeah, like that's yeah. the, like, that's like, that's the real special thing of like, sure. he finds the weak side shooters, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he sets up guys like Proctor and Mitchell for clean catch and shoots. Um, and so that play has just been like cash for them. And what I think when, when there, I'd love to, I'd actually, if I could isolate, I'd love to know like what the, you know, points per possession numbers look like for that. And I think they Roach and Filipowski, like the more they're running it, you can see the chemistry going, growing with those guys. And so there's like a good feel for, okay, Kyle sets the initial screen. Um, Jeremy throws it to him on the pop, but like no, there's no advantage created. Kyle will pitch the ball right back, rescreen, and like they'll just they'll they'll they're they do the a Jackie nice Moon job play. on sort of yeah exactly <laughs> send in the blender go back out and uh, and you know eventually as long as you the ball finds downtown funky stuff Malone, like you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be all good. But I just think that play has become like it's again I think they're doing a lot of good stuff in the half court offensively. And they're showing the ability to puncture and pressure the defense from a bunch of different levels. Um, 
But that that empty corner two man stuff with with Flip and Roach, I just think that's that's turned into like the bailout play for them. Sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it, it can really be a, a a tool for them when they need to get some half court offense going. Yeah, I hope we use it like repeatedly Thursday because I could just I mean you're talking about a six foot Abmus as a guard and a seven five Vanover and making them make a decision like Vanover if you're going to come out on Jeremy like we've seen he can blow past anybody and get into the lane if you're going to drop well ask Miami what happens right he just comes across that screen and buries a dagger um, and if you switch and you put six O Max Abmus on flip and flip, Lico- yeah, and he's able yeah. to get downhill a little bit then. Mm-hmm. I would just run that until they can prove they could stop it. Really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, were they running? Were they running flip in the uh, short roll as much earlier in the season? It seems like it's something I've just seen creep up and up lately. And I wonder if it's uh, a result of like his passing improving and our shooting improving. So you have those options of uh, shooters in the corner that maybe you didn't before. I think I mean I, I have to go back and and check. Like I I definitely have like some clips of Flip from like you know November and December doing some short right. roll stuff. But my interpretation, like I'm like you, like I I do think it has crept up a little bit. I think you know I think Roach being healthy probably helps. You know I mean he missed time and he wasn't 100 percent. And I, I don't know about y'all, but like mid season when the when the toe was bothering him, I was like I I don't is this something that just like gets better like i yeah. i just i was like i was like worried that that was going to linger kind of mm-hmm. all season for him and who knows how much pain he's he might be p- playing through but like he's got like the zip back you know yeah to, to get downhill and to turn the corner and that's huge and i think proctor is just like making better decisions with the basketball too so like those some of those opportunities maybe there maybe were there and then duke couldn't like the guards couldn't capitalize on them or like you know, Roach was just out of the lineup or physically compromised. And so you're sort of missing your quickest on-ball guy to sort of like pressure the defense and and, and some of those like mesh points. So maybe that is a, a reason for it. Um, Proctor knocking down shots. Also, yeah. like he started the season yeah. on just a awful shooting slot, and you, right? You, so you knew it was going to turn around though. Like that yeah. was the thing. It was like, it was like, I, you know, I didn't think he was going to shoot 50% for the rest of the season, but I, I went on some show in January and, uh, you know, the the host was like, you know, kind of wanting me to like say some critical things about Proctor. And it was like, I mean, I'll, I'm here to, to like point out what I'm seeing or whatever, but I was like, he's not a 23% three-point shooter. Yeah, like, right. like, he, like he's, he's shooting 80-whatever percent from the line. Like, watch that guy shoot and tell me he's like a bad shooter and just like wait a month, you know, yeah, and like St. Kill Gilchrist here, you know, and yeah, he takes exactly. pretty good shots too. Yeah, so. exa- exactly. And like, again, I don't think he's like shot like lights out or anything, but he shot a reasonable percentage. And if you saw him play before he got to Duke, you knew he could, you just, you had to trust the process with him. And, um, so I'm not, I was not surprised to see him like, you know, perk up there. It was just, I think he was getting a lot of bad luck, uh, at the start of the season, shooting shooting the ball. Um, so I, I would say those would be some of, so like, you know, probably the biggest reasons why you've maybe been able to see uh, Flip get to some more of those spots. The one last thing I would maybe say, too, is, like, it, yes, Derek Lively doesn't have the ability to really, like, stretch the floor. I mean, he's taken, what, 13 threes this season? Or two, I think. Two, yeah. two and... And, and, you know, who knows? Beyond Duke, maybe that's something he, you know, Lively is a guy that can take you know, two or three open threes a game in the end, you know, maybe in shoot sure. low thirties, whatever. But like, because he's certainly like, if you watch him in warmups or practice, oh, yeah. you know, like he tries and like, it's cool that he's willing to try, but like, you know, he and young playing a lot of the same sort of like spots of the floor. But I think Lively's like vertical spacing has like added say. a layer to them. It's like, like he play like he plays so high above the rim that like you know it's it's the mark williams effect of like if mm-hmm. you get to a certain spot and you're like oh the, the center's helping on me okay i'll just i'll throw it at the rim <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the seven foot guy that can fly through the air is you know is lurking over there and so it's like even though you're playing with two big guys on the court and so sometimes the geometry can be like a little weird well when one of them is like a good decision maker and short space passer like filipowski and the other one is a guy like lively that you can throw lobs to and like throw all kinds of lobs to, you know, like he doesn't, he doesn't need like a clear lane to get like a running start to, you know, be able to play above the rim. Like he just gets up. So Mm -hmm. 
maybe that's another thing too. Just having like that outlet and that that slight bit of like vertical spacing has uh has sort of like boosted you know the offense inside of fifteen feet and just giving them a little more breathing room. Yeah, I don't. I think the last time we spoke to you was Roach was hurt at that point, right? Um, I think so. so yeah. So since that time, you know, Roach came back. Um, we've kind of flopped their roles essentially, right? So we're giving Proctor really the ball more. It, it almost, and I think Josh and Rollo have taught it. Almost reminds us, and I, I don't know if you keep up with Duke back to 2010, but that's what John and Nolan kind of kind of swapped roles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Nolan was more of a, a combo guard coming out of Oak Hill, had been playing with Brandon Jennings, um, and I think Roach is is probably more prone to that than as a pure point guard. So I think that's been. One of the mm-hmm. keys that we've seen us kind of unlock. I know um, Raul wanted to get into some of his stuff about uh, Proctor, so I'll, I'll pass that off to to him. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just kind of wanted to talk to you about how their roles have shifted and what that's unlocked for uh, you know both of them. If that's not too generalized a question, I mean, we've already talked a little bit about it, maybe. No, I think it's not. Nah, I mean, like, I think we had we did touch on it a little bit, like. I think it's I like when Roach is like attack minded and and sort of like and that's why I think the like like he's probably playing more of like a combo guard role or I would probably label it like attacking guard like whatever adjective you want to you use to like you know augment the word guard but just like getting him sort of more in like a um you know, let's try to get you downhill and let's let's try to like build advantage that way. Or can we tilt the defense a little bit, then get you the ball and then you look to get downhill as opposed to it being like five sets of eyes are on you trying to run like pick and roll in the middle of the court, you know, the start of the possession or whatever. Um, and like, man, Proctor is just really good. <laughs> like, like, you know, like I, uh, you guys know, you guys know basketball, like, having a six foot five guy that can run pick and roll is huge. Like in college ball and like in the NBA, like you bet on guys that are like that height that can, that can run pick and roll and like make good decisions with the ball. And like, again, we, we, we spoke a little bit earlier about some of Proctor's limitations, but it's not like he's trying to like overcompensate. Like, I think he kind of knows where he is like as a driver and he still finds ways to get downhill. And I, I still think there's more low hanging fruit for him to grab there. I think sometimes yeah. he has that nice mid range pull up, um, but I would like for that to be like the the backstop. And I, you know, assuming he's if he's back in Durham next season, I'd, I'd love to see him sort of like um, you know lean in a little bit more to his size and his craft to to get downhill. Yeah. It's like he can he can do it. You only see it in flashes, so maybe we see it more consistently going forward. But man, having a guy that size and it it struck me. When I was lucky enough to be, you know, Duke was kind enough to credential me again this season. And um, uh, so, I, you know, I saw Proctor play up close a bunch this year, but the it really hit me the game they played UNC um, back in, you know, early February. And yeah, he was guarding, he was exactly, he was guarding Caleb Love. And it was like one of the first possessions of the game and they stood next to each other. And like Caleb Love is not like a giant, but like, I think of him as like a a guard with some length and some you know some right. some some size and I mean Proctor was just noticeably taller than him you know and and it, it is it the hair yeah, though he's got the big so it could have been like I'd have to go back and yeah, maybe like maybe the, like the on their hair shoulder is, look at their shoulder you have to look yeah at exactly shoulders. but it just they were they were face to face right in front of me on uh, press row and and again it was just it was just sort of obvious like one of these guys is just like clearly bigger than the other. Um, and again, that's like that's part of the package with Proctor is like the size and the ability to scan and see the defense. So um, I would say if I had to boil it down, I would say one, it's gotten Roach into a role he's better suited for the sort of like attacking, um, uh, you know, role where he's like he's doing some secondary creation for sure. But also you're he's still the, he can be the primary creator, but you're sort of like building it up a little bit and then getting him into the action. And then I just think having a guy like Proctor with that size, with the passing vision, I think it's opened up more stuff like at the start of the possession too. And so just those guys have settled into roles that probably both make more sense for them. And like, you know, I mean, Proctor's really young for a freshman. Like, of course he was going to get better during the season. Like, 
you know, I mean, like one, he was obviously going to shoot better because math, but also like it, he was going to start to play better. Like he was, he was going to figure it out. And, uh, and who knows, like maybe there's, maybe there's like some, there's a, an intangible confidence portion of this too. Like as he's played sure. better defensively, maybe that's fed into the, his offense too. Um, I mean, you so, got to think about the, the adjustment period just coming from high school to, to, you know, high D one where he's yeah. a reclass. So you've got that barrier. And then there's not only is it reclass, but he's coming from a different country yeah. and learning like American style college he, basketball. He showed up in what, like August. Yeah. yeah like, really, I mean, really it, you know, like it, he was playing, it was a hundred days later and he was like, yeah, here's Kansas. Good luck. Like, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it's tough, man. Yeah. And um, I would also, I mean, once again, this is where I would say like the addition of lively is big too. Like, or like the addition and then like him sort of like becoming fully operational, just right. having a guy that can be a legit pressure point with those drop with those dives to the rim. Um him and Proctor link up a lot yes, too on exactly. that. I did yep. like though that you mentioned, Brian, the the need, maybe not need, but like the development selfishly. Hopefully that's at Duke next year. But for Proctor to be able to get all the way to the rim, and you mentioned Stronger that Carolina faster. game, yeah. and that mm-hmm. was the game, both games that stood out to me of they're baiting him into taking that like eight foot push shot floater. And it's like, you're bailing Baycott out. You're allowing him to sit in that drop with three fouls instead of trying Mm -hmm. to get in his chest or get up on the rim. And it's a fine shot. I mean, he hit two against Miami that really gave us a little separation. So that's, it's good that he has that, but I've noticed too, there's like a, a very high tendency to settle mm-hmm. there instead of just just go up through that contact. Well, despite his size, he's pretty skinny, so I don't know if that has something to do with it. Maybe, yeah. Baycott's a big dude, right? <laughs> yeah, and like you know, I mean, Baycott is he's physical. He gets he gets, but it seemed intentional from Carolina yeah. of like no, we're for giving sure. you this much of the lane. We're staying here on Lively. We're going to give you this yeah. and make it, you make this push shot. And, and that's they should I mean that is that's pro- the right approach, honestly. Like you know, no, I mean, no you, don't want, for you, don't, you know, you yeah. want to give him a direct line to the rim, and, and I mean, like you know, UNC does drop against. I mean, when they play NC State, they want to try to you know push Terquavion Smith and Jarkel Joyner to taking pull up shots too, as right. opposed to like trying to get all the way. You know, but obviously Proctor has you know he has more size than those guys. Um, I eventually think with his touch and with his craft, he could be the kind of guy, especially if like he can leverage the pull-up shot, you know, and the screen manipulation becomes better. And again, because he can threaten as a passer, it's like you've always got to be worried about that. And I think if you could package all of that together, I think it's been interesting. He's a couple times this year on like half court. Maybe y'all have noticed this too. Like, let's say he's like, he's on the right side of the court. He's going downhill, pick and roll. There's like a decent contest at the rim. He'll try to like sneak it in and do like the inside hand, like mm-hmm. lefty finish, which yeah. like I, is it's cool that he can try to do that. And as someone that like, I mean, I, I cover the Hornets, I watch a lot of LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball does that too. And I think it speaks to you can look at it both ways. I think it can speak to a level of skill and a level, a level of like finishing craft. But it's like the fact that you have to like kind of rely on that sometimes as opposed mm-hmm. to just like all right, I'm just going to go up and finish over the top of this guy mm-hmm. through leaping ability or you know strength or you know dealing with contact or whatever. It's like it it's again, it's like a nice tool to have, but it's maybe not the like thing you want to be like having it's to a rely tough on. Shot. It's, it's a tough t- shot. Angle yeah. spin, it's a tough shot. It, it is. And so like again, I think Proctor's like all-around game has been awesome the back half of the season and it's been really it like I think he does a nice job playing with off the like I will to circle back to like he and Roach figuring out these roles, the fact that like Proctor gets off the ball and can be a threat is also like that's what feeds into all of this too. Mm-hmm. It's like he the fact that he he's a great spot up shooter, he's a great relocation shooter. You can run him off screens and let him shoot as well. Um, he showed that playing with Australia uh, in FIBA competition last year. Like he can shoot off the move. Um, and that's maybe something to consider a little bit more uh, going forward is something you could maybe tap into a little bit more. But I think some of my favorite Proctor plays are like when he gets off the ball, he moves around, the ball swings, it flips sides, and then he gets back onto the ball against a tilted defense. And, and then like, uh, then all of a sudden he's got a, he's got a gap to get downhill or get into the to paint or 
Lively's flying over to set a ball screen and defense is already rotating. And so he's just, there's more inherent advantage in those possessions already baked in. Um, and again, I, I, I like the fact that like when he get he does get off the ball and when he gets off the ball, one, he can be a threat and B, he doesn't stop moving. Like he, yeah. he continues to move and looks to, you know, find attacking situations. If he gets off the ball at 25 seconds on the shot clock, if he can get back on it with nine seconds left, like he can still look to try to get into something or attack or get to a pull up. But nah, man, you're like, you're Josh, you're right. Like there was one play I think I highlighted in a post the UNC game in Cameron, like Baycott was in a drop. Caleb Love was guarding him. I mean, I mean, Love is just like he's he's a very bad on ball defender. Let's just that's just like the <laughs> nicest. This is the nicest way to put it. Throw and a screen at him and he's done. He, yeah, he's, he just <laughs> he crumples no on it every yeah. time. And like you could, if you reject, he, he gives up. Like uh, he's he's um he's he's very poor guarding the basketball. Um, he's not very good chasing guys around on off ball screens either but i digress but like like he got you know love got got you know destroyed by some screen baycott was in the drop and it was it, the shot was right i mean it was it was one of those plays where it was like proctor actually has some room if he wanted to like yeah. take two dribbles he could really like pressure the like Big guy would probably have to foul him here, or maybe even Nance was. I can't remember, who, you know, who was playing center, but it was like the opportunity was there, and he settled for a jumper, which, like you said, it's not even a bad shot, right? Um, but uh, you know, given the situation, you'd love to see that be a time where, like Proctor says, "I'm going to try to." They're giving you the yeah. rim, bro. Yeah, I'm going to try to rip it. the rim off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Go take it. Um, so yeah. we'll see. Get a that, Duval like, dunk that I can retweet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that like that will be the that will be like one of the next steps for him. You know yep. what I mean? Um yep. is just like improving as a finisher, improving that like the that like uh final third of the floor, like the ability to separate yep. and then finish over size uh in the paint. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I wanted to ask about uh Tariq Whitehead. He's obviously been really up and down this year. He had a really good game against Miami recently, but he, you know, struggled against Virginia. He struggled against Pittsburgh. Um, you did write an article where you highlighted uh, the baseline out of bounds plays we're running. And I know we yeah. ran two for him in that game. Yeah. Uh, you know, is that something we can tap into more with him or are there other ways uh, we could uh, kind of exploit his strengths? I know he's, he's a pretty good passer out of the pick and roll too, from what I've seen. I thought he, uh, in the Virginia game, I really like what he did in the title game against Virginia. I know he didn't play like minutes in that game. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was like, and there was also, I think it was the Virginia Tech game in Cameron late in the season. Like he had a tough shooting game, but like one, and I, I bet, I'm guessing you guys feel this way too. It's just like awesome to see him playing basketball. Like I thought he, I thought he tore his Achilles during the first Virginia <laughs> yeah. Tech game. I, yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure oh, everyone yeah. saw that. And if you've watched basketball, you're you're just your heart sinks. You're yep. like, oh my god! Like we're Duke fans, so yeah, yeah, we see that, yeah, or, <laughs> yeah. And you just you see that, and you're like, it, like, what does this mean for the like, like long term? What you know? Obviously, like in my head, I'm like, season's done, but what does this mean? You know, for uh, like, yeah, I was worried. So to see him like on the court is great, and to see him like doing like winning simple, ba- like simple winning play stuff, like making the extra pass closeouts deflections it was like okay awesome um the stuff that i like seeing them tap into him more was some of the stuff we saw on those baseline out of bounds plays where he sets a screen for lively for lively to dive to the rim and look for a lob um and of course he came like lively of course caves in the defense you know i mean he forces the guy that's guarding jareek to have to hang in the paint for an extra second. And then Dariq popped out and got a three off one. And then the next one was the, uh, was the Isaiah Wong fouls him on the, on the, you know, on the over aggressive closeout. He scored six points, you know, on, right. on one shot on the same exact action. That's, uh, you don't need to be a math genius to know that's pretty efficient. So like what I would say for where I am, where I am with Dariq right now is I, I think I think a lot of people, Derek especially, were probably like hoping for him to have a bigger season. And I kind of thought if Duke was going to get to the level they are now, like if you found things that I wrote in probably November, December, I would have said like for Duke to become this kind of team, 
it was it's gonna it's gonna like contingent on like lot oh, on whitehead right like he's gonna be the in it I mean, proctor and roach have sort of like stepped up and filled the the creation void and, and lively just becoming the force and the the defense really you know carrying the day for a while to like that that was the stuff ultimately so um with Derek, the fact that he's turned into this like nice catch and shoot weapon for them like it, he shot I, mean, I know it's like a select sample but it's like this guy had two bad injuries within the last six months seven months mm-hmm. he shot 46 percent from deep in acc play <laughs> he, yeah. led, he led the conference in three-point percentage and so like i like when they use him one as a spot-up guy he's a floor spacer and he kind of plays that like microwave role coming off the bench yeah um and i kind of like the way the bench was like solidified recently like you got two veterans you know two shooters with graniston and and, and whitehead and uh and with Tariq, you know, he can he, like if he's hot, you know, then you can really like ride him. But he starts a lot of games like two for two from three, right? Yeah. Like, so. And you maybe like to even see him, you know, tempted to you know try a little bit more. You've got Shoot such more. yeah, uh-huh. you've got such great offensive rebounders, but um Brian, do you think case. the offense is like too complex for a guy like that? Like having being a freshman, being um Missing injured time. And, and missing because the stuff that you're talking about where he's doing really well seem to be these quick hitting sets, right? These quick yeah. base on out of bounds. There's two options for you. Some of the other, and when I say complex, maybe it's more of just in terms of there's a patience required to get into the sets. We take a lot of shots with like under 10 on the shot clock. And is, yeah. you think that has anything to do with him of like maybe not understanding there's three reads coming off of this Iverson action or there's multiple stuff going on. He gets a little lost at times versus it, these quick sets or these like bailout threes. He's money. Is it, there anything could, to that? It could be. I do think like... um. I think like, you know, he was a product of the Montverde system, right? And that was he was there for what five years at at at, at MVA. And like I tend to think when guys come out of that program, they're pretty ready to like Kate Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, sure. um, RJ Barrett, like the, you know, uh Nemhard, like the list goes on. Like there's been a lot of guys. Um so I don't know. I I, I think I really think it's just like the it's been where is he physically and like maybe some of the confidence issues have like bled over a little bit. I mean, that's, that's been like the thing that's like, I think that's why so many people are like pulling for Tariq. And like, when you're watching them play, you can, you can see everyone's just cheering so hard for this guy, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very obvious. And I think that speaks to the kind of teammate he is. It felt like that's what it was like with AJ and that team last year before AJ became you know, fully operational and was just like the best shooter in the country by, <laughs> by, by the end of the year. Um, so maybe that's part of it. I would just say like, you know, he, he just unfortunately missed a lot of time, you know, like yeah. he missed, he missed time, he missed reps and he missed, he missed time when like these roles were kind of like getting more solidified. And so I do think they've, uh, what I would say is, I mean, this is a big credit to Derek. I think this is a big credit to the coaching staff is that I think there was a time like in the middle of the season where like this thing could have gone off the rails, like Mm -hmm. the injuries, the role fluctuating, the team sort of like being, you know, just okay. And they found like a stable role for him, you know, like in in there, they found like some stability for him. And so for now it's like, well, now he's got this role. They simplified things. He has a way to contribute. He has a way to be a part of this team. And like you get to the offseason and then you can then it's like, okay, let's, you know, let's get healthy. Let's get ready for the draft, et cetera, et cetera. Like, so I think it's I think it's a big credit to like player and staff that they did find this sort of role for him. Um, what I would say is like, I think I'd like for them to lean into Dariq's gravity as a shooter more. So on those baseline out of bounds plays, he's the one screening for lively. Like I like that. I like that. Like this guy, this guy's a big time shooter right now. So if you if you're using him to screen, that could scramble up some defenses. I think you could use him, and you know they do a lot of those like ghost screen actions with Granison, where Granison will run in the direction of Proctor or Roach, and then before setting the screen, he'll he'll ghost out or he'll blur out in the other direction. And you could try some of that with Derek and just see if like his shooting gravity can can um can open some stuff up but yeah like it's you know it's it is ultimately a bummer he hasn't had like the 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 burst and the off dribble juice because like 
I mean, the thought of like getting this guy involved in like pistol action with Roach or, or with Proctor, it's like, you know, those that would that stuff would have been like money, you know, offense. Mm-hmm. And I think would have allowed Duke to like have a more dynamic downhill driving presence to have more punch and early offense, et cetera. So it, look, it's a possibility, but I think I think pretty much everyone around, you know, w- covers this team like like we all do or who pulls for the team, whatever, like. It's just it's nice that they found a role for him. Like it's a legit yeah. role. Like it's a, a legit role on a very good team. And um and so to do that mid-season with all the pressure going on, I think is uh is pretty cool. And I think it says something about him to to accept that too. You know, he totally. was the totally I wouldn't say he's the crown jewel of the class. Obviously, Lively was, but you know, as far as offense goes, we all thought, you know, live that Derek was gonna be, you yeah. know, if not our leading score one of. So Totally you know, obviously agree. the injury set him back, but to, I think it just speaks on the the kind of guy he is, and obviously being from that Mount Verde, uh, you know that that product there um, just knows how to be a, a team first guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was Earl. just going to say to me, it seems like he's like ten games away from being fully comfortable, and unfortunately, we don't have ten games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's the part right there. I yeah. still think though, if we're able to to probe a little deeper in the tournament, we get that extra week off. You get into the second weekend. You could see him, you know, if you get a Purdue or if you're playing a Marquette or where he could just come off and give you 18 off the bench and just completely change a game. Um, he, could for four, that. He, he could hit four threes in one game, yep. and, you know, oh, yeah. due to the elite eight, you know, it's like, that's, yep. that's totally on the table for him. Yeah. Um, well, I want to ask you a little bit and we, you've kind of talked about it, but just, like more globally in terms of like Shire's philosophical standpoint, obviously we're looking at this in the, you know, with a single season. So there's no other (laughs) data points to look at, but if you were just projecting out based on what you're looking at and seeing, is this kind of how you think he wants to play or how Duke's going to play slowing it down a little bit, a little bit more methodical offensively, a lot more sets, not quite as much, just kind of free range motion, um, with an alpha level score, or do you think that's just a product of the team and roster that he has? I think it's going to be fast. I've wondered that a lot this season. I'd be curious to know what what y'all think too. Like, I think, and it would also would have been interesting to see like if if Whitehead's like fully operational this year. Like, what you know does that? How much does that change things? Um, I will say after they played Wake Forest, um, which was a really good game in Cameron. Um, Shire talked about Wake's offense after that game. And he mentioned like Wake has the ability that Wake forces you to guard all three levels of the court. Like they, they pressure the rim. They got shooters. That guy, they, they just, they run stuff that targets the money areas and just makes you guard everything. And so I think, I mean, that may be nothing that could totally be nothing, but that maybe speaks to philosophically, like what he's looking to do. Um, certainly if you can have an, an alpha score to come in and just simplify everything, like, I mean, obviously, you know, you would, you would want that. I think at times this year, maybe they like tried to lean into that being flip and, you know, there were, you know, some, some, some hits and some misses with that. But I think, I think ultimately you'd like to see them probably be like a play with a little more pace offensively, be a little bit snappier in, in that regard. But I think it's been interesting. It's felt like early in the season there was a lot of chatter of, well, what's up with the big man rotation? Like, why mm-hmm. is Lively isn't playing more? Why are they always playing two traditional big guys on the court? And we've seen very little like flip at five this year, right? Like, like I, it's, uh, it's not Almost nearly existent. Yeah, yeah, it just hasn't happened. And like, even when they play like smaller, it's like you know, it's Young Martin, and Mitchell. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And so. I think it it does sort of seem like, yeah, John Shire is going to want, you know, uh, two traditional big dudes on the floor, but like it's going to be contingent on one of them being like Flip, <laughs> like right. who's insanely skilled. And I, I know he hasn't shot a good number on threes, but like he's a good shooter. Mm-hmm. Like look at that free throw percentage and and tell me that dude's like, I think Flip's going to shoot it, in, you know, on the next level and, and be like in NBA rotations for a long time because of that um, among his, you know, array of skills. So I think that's part of it. And like, ultimately that's, if you can have that, that's, that's what you want, right? Like 
if you can space the floor and have a lot of and have multiple playmakers and have size, then like that's ideal. Like that's the thing that always gets lost when people want to want you to play small ball and like small ball is predicated on getting like shooting and spacing and playmaking on the court. But if you can achieve that and have a six eleven guy and a seven footer, well, then you know it's that's ideal. So, um, I don't know. I'd be curious to see. Like I think depending on who comes back and what this offseason looks like, that will sort of like inform, um, sure. you know, that's going to give us a, 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 another data point, but this is working right now. And mm-hmm. it, you know, it took a little bit of time and they had some tough luck with injuries. And I, I think Shire and this entire staff did a really good job. And I, I think John deserved um, some potential rec- you know, some recognition and some, you know, maybe you know, it was a guy that I think at least needed his name floated for ACC Coach of the Year, along with mm. some other, yeah. you know, quality quality candidates. And uh, but my guess would be that I'll I think that they're going to want to have size, but that the four that like that four the flex spot is going to be like that's the mismatch piece, which is like you know that that was Paolo, that was Zion, that that was uh, Tatum, Ingram, Tatum, Jabari, Murphy, you know, all yeah. the way back to, it goes yeah. all the way back to Danny Ferry. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like that. That's if you like, and I, so that I think that will be like the the swing piece ult- ultimately. Um, and who knows? I mean, you guys mentioned the, like the, you know, back in uh, you know, the the title season in 2010, like Nolan and John sort of flipping roles, but having mm-hmm. two guards that could, you know, kind of, kind of having like the dual ball handler, even if there mm-hmm. is like a division of, even if there are like set roles or whatever. You know, I'd be curious to see like what that what the sort of like the backcourt setup looks like going forward. But you do get the feeling they like having multiple ball handlers on the court, and they yeah. like having a, a guy like Flip that can be a mismatch piece that can, that can that can like that can abuse switches and can space the court. And so my yeah. guess would be that they'll build rosters around those ten poles. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see like if if defense remains the priority or if we get into it. Just I guess I don't know why, but I was just looking at new coach, pretty analytically favored. I'm thinking like maybe we're getting like the Mark View 2.0 or the next Jay Wright kind of mm-hmm. like stuff in there. I thought you were going to um, say like dead and Tony seven seconds or less. Like just uh, yeah. fire it up, baby, fire not, it up and run. Yeah, not, it's, not quite. Did you guys see that uh, after the the title game win? I think it was, yeah, it was Justice Winslow. He had a tweet saying that uh, Tato, or not, nah, pardon me, saying that Shire was giving him Will Hardy vibes. And I don't, I don't know if you guys follow the NBA much, but Will Hardy's the like 34 year old yeah. head coach of the Utah Jazz that Absolutely. has like a, you know, comes from the the Boston Celtics, Brad Stevens uh, tree and has, you know, has been in his first year as a head coach, has done a very good job. And I thought that was, I mean, like that's, High praise from, from. I mean, I know Justice Winslow is like a you know a Duke guy, but uh, Will Hardy is going to be coaching NBA teams for a long, long time, and mm-hmm. um, so I don't know. I thought that was that was like an interesting uh, you know, potential comp as far as like sort of like the analytically driven Shire references analytics often. I mean, they have guys on staff that are there to be, to be film and, and numbers guys for them. So that's clearly something they had that with Shashevsky too, like. That's something that they've been like at least you know they've they've had some at least token investment in and may, I think that'll be something that they'll probably continue to do uh, yeah. going forward and if you have that as part of your picture like then then yeah it'll probably depend on how you, that will probably also shape how you're you know building your rosters and and stuff too and, and to your point on Hardy um, you know the Jazz this year they're playing a lot of size they're playing Olenek they're playing Kessler. You know, so they're yeah. kind of getting like multiple big guys marking in. They're kind of getting marking multiple uh, big guys out there at once. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the way the NBA is actually going right now. Like a little bit more towards versatile ball. Yeah. Like I think small well, still ball. still small ball, but it's yeah. just with bigger guys. That yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the Cavaliers yeah. would be another said, good example. Yeah. 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 So well, I mean, we, it's like we weren't what, going small just for the sake of putting smaller people out. We wanted to yeah. space the floor, right? And right. we do that with seven footers. You were doing it because of skill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's like what it's what the magic have with 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 Wendell and, and Paolo and, and Franz Wagner. Mm. Like, yeah, those guys, they just have like three, Bobo, six, ten guys. Bobo. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's that can all that do. And, and I mean, Wagner and Von Kara are going to be like, that's going to be it's an awesome duo to watch. <laughs> Go, the, both those dudes are going to make 
a lot of money and a lot of all-star teams uh, for the next decade and win a lot of games together, too. It's going to be very fun to uh, see them play. But, yeah, like, I, I think that, I mean, I think seeing, like, what Markin has become for the Jazz, um, the way he's been unlocked as more than just a shooter, but a guy that, that can play, make, and score from different levels as this, you know, seven-foot, you know, forward with, like, with like shooting skills is... Uh, is is has been really impressive. So yeah, again, I, I it obviously depends on recruiting and stuff, but curious to see how that how that builds up. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, we'll we'll get ready to get out of here, Brian. We we appreciate you coming on. Um, before I do though, give me your final four picks that you got in the tournament, and then talk to me a little bit about how how far you see Duke coming out of this East region, it's particularly with that first matchup with Oral Roberts. Man, that's such a tough, like, that's a brutal. I mean, I'm sure you guys mm. will probably agree with me on that. That's a, uh, it's just a really good 12 seed man with a, yeah. with an NBA player at point guard. Well, it reminded me of the UCF draw that Josh and I went to me with seven, five taco fall or taco, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Taco was actually bigger. What do you like? He might, he might have been like seven, six, seven, seven, seven. I mean, he was ridiculously tall. And, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And Dawkins too. And, and Dawkins yeah. also. Dawkins yeah, exactly. And, so you had a yeah. dynamic score and a, just a monster in the paint. That that was that was like a. I mean, I'm sure that was a stressful game for y'all, oh, but like, uh, I don't even want to get into. But the but just the 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 Zion being like, can I can I can I can I just like play above this guy? <laughs> was like, well, and just and and like them using uh, you know, mixing up the defense. I, I thought was like a kind of a. It's fun when Shashevsky get, would get into tournament mode and start to like you know like tinker a little bit more and and try stuff. That was, um. Uh, that game I, I will have a fun uh memory for yeah um like i really like houston i know they had a tough game against memphis mm-hmm. the other day so i would have them i just think i think like start to finish they've been like the best team they're they're i mean jairus walker's do, awesome do we know Sasser. Sasser's status is he oh is he gonna... yeah i don't know actually i'm not sure um i know i know he was named like all american today but i'm not sure if what uh what his deal is going forward. And like, they have other like great sure, players yeah, yeah. like yeah. Uh, Tremont Marks is really good. Obviously Jamal Shedd is good. They have a guy, a freshman wing, Terrence Arsenault that like, assuming he comes back next season, probably one of the better, I think like returning prospects in, in the country, but they're just like, they're mean, they're nasty. Um, it's good. So I would, I would, so I'll go with them out of the Midwest. I'll go with, this is boring too, but I'll go Kansas out of the West. Um, mm. I think that Kansas team is really, really, really good. I actually like I this UCLA team. I watched them a lot at the start of the season, and I like them a good bit. I think that it's a pretty awesome team, but without Jalen Clark, yeah, they're banged up too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the he's he's Pac-12 Reese Beekman, you know, just like a just like a, a lights out wing defender and and steals machine that was like you know, really was becoming like more and more operational as like a, a spot up shooter. Um, that's, that, that's a pretty big bummer. I will say the one team that sort of like, uh, I only saw Illinois play a couple times this season. They're in nine C. Like, I don't think they're, they're going to make any noise in this tournament, but like, I'm telling you a couple of years now, we're going to look back and be like, they're like five guys from this Illinois team in the NBA. Like, how did they lose 13? <laughs> like, it's just right. like, how, like, <laughs> how are they a nine seed man? Like it? Yeah. So I'll go with them out of there. Um, in the East, I'm hoping we get Duke Marquette in the elite eight. I think that would be a lot of fun. I've watched some Marquette recently and I think Marquette's awesome. Mm-hmm. I really, really, I really, really like Marquette a lot. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, do, do y'all have Duke going to the Final Four? Like, where do you guys have? We were I kind mean, of the hard does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the hard so, does. Yeah, so I will go. It would be really fun if they could make it to the Final Four. Um, I think I'm going to go Marquette. I don't feel particularly good about that. I'm obviously going, leaning pretty heavy into. Well, if it makes uh, you feel better, that's what I had too. So yeah, they're, they're, we're going they're down really, together. <laughs> they're really good. Marquette's Marquette's yeah, good. Shaka Shaka's done a great yeah. job this year. Shaka, and they're young they, like we are too, right? Yeah, they're pretty yeah, they young are. too. Yeah, they've got two really good sophomore guards, Tyler yeah. Kulik and Cam Jones, and they've got a sophomore big guy or maybe a junior big guy. Um, also Igodero. Um, yeah. and like he's a probably, I mean, he probably should be a late first round pick, but like he's, he's, yeah, he's awesome. <laughs> Just a really versatile defender that can like be a handoff 
hub for them too. Um, and I'll go. Oh man, I'll, I guess I'll go. I'll go Bama. You don't I mean, want Bama. I, I mean, I don't like. But like, who else? Like, do you like Air? I mean, I don't know. Arizona, I, I kind of like Arizona. Kerr, Kerr, and, Kerr, and Kerr, 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 <laughs> yeah, Kirk, Chris, and Tabellus. I mean, Tabellus has been awesome this yeah. year. There's, there's no doubt. And they've got a freshman guard, uh, Boswell. I think is his name. Yeah, yeah I think so. That assume I think I, I, I think he'll come back next season. And like, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna, he's gonna be really good. I also like Pele Larson for them a lot too. Like they got a ton. I don't know, man. Maybe I will go. I'm gonna go with Bama for now, but I haven't like filled up my bracket yet, so. Um, you got to wait till the first four is over, right? I don't, how long has it been, been since the first four teams made the final four? I know VCU yeah. did it once. Didn't one did somebody else do it? Didn't another first four team make the final four? Oh. Uh, I don't think back, but I'm. I know Was VCU Syracuse did. first four in 2016? I think no. Oh, they were in 11, right? So they, yeah, yeah, I think so. They might have been. That could have been it. Yeah, that's then, so. That's then they got dominated <laughs> by Carolina. Yeah. 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 Um also Cedric Henderson uh is on the Arizona team and uh when he was at Campbell I called one of his games on ESPN Plus. So <laughs> would would love to see Cedric Henderson make a, a final four, but um I'll go I'll go Bama, but I don't I mean yeah, I, I don't want to see Josh picked Bama know? too, so yeah. It's I'm hard very looking at that bracket seeing Bama not come out of it. They just, just don't so have a ton of so they just bad. don't have a ton of people in that region or teams in that region that seem yeah. to really cause them a lot of issues and the noise hasn't bothered them this year. No. So like, that's another, and I know how I get you on the NATO's thing. I like NATO. It's just because he's driving the sport like so far forward in terms of just it, how they play and what they do that. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> his, his offensive style is uh, yeah. I'm not, I won't. Yeah. I'm not yeah, gonna just, like, uh, yeah I guess my comment would be, not non-basketball affiliate. Yeah, yeah, non exactly. Yeah, like if you're it. only gotcha. if you're only looking at X's and O's, uh, yeah, like they're they're he's dynamic. It's, they're fun to watch. Man. It's the other stuff that um, it's a little disappointing. I do think I I think maybe I said this to you guys right before we started recording, but like Creighton as a six seed feels pretty underseeded to me. I know they lost twelve times this year, but Ryan Kalkbrenner, their center, he missed a bunch of games and they mm -hmm. lost all the games he was out. They are not that deep, but their starting five is incredible. Ryan Nemhard, Trey Alexander, Arthur Kaluma, Baylor Shireman, who I know, I think Duke yeah, tried to get in the transfer portal yep. last year. And then Kalk Brenner, who's like, what is a development guy that's like turned out to be a very good player. Um, you know, they, they play drop coverage in the pick and roll and they run what is one of the most creative and sort of like snappy offenses in the country. You know, it's like, it's like what Mike Young does at Virginia Tech, but like with more pace and with better athletes. And they just mm -hmm. got, they've got, it's elite scheme and they've got really big time players to put into it. So like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to, I'm not making the case for Creighton as a final four team. Um, but they could be like a sleeper that. I just had a lot of buzz earlier in the year too. I mean, that yeah. a lot yeah. of buzz top 10. Yeah. Have you seen in, UConn play any? Cause yes. I, I know well, UConn's yeah. a four seed, but they're fourth in Ken Palm. Like, they're yeah they're i mean i think i think they, they, that's another actually like pretty creative offense too that i like i really like what hurley does there mm -hmm. um i watched them a lot in years prior to um because like scouting james book night for the nba um but i really like their they, they've got um hawkins the jordan hawkins the shooter for them i really really like him a lot i love andre jackson like he never, like he's such a weird player because he never shoots, even though he's like a wing, but he's an incredible defender and like an incredible like pick and roll, like transition passer. And I mean, like Sonogo is the exact kind of like big guy that just like is built to dominate college yep. ball. You know, they're really good. They're mm -hmm. <laughs> and they're and they're deep too. But yeah, it does feel like they kind of lost some of their luster from early. And I mean, I think they beat. Did they beat Bama? They beat Bama. Yeah, early like real like real early in yeah. the season. Um, I think they started um, off like thirteen and zero or something. Yeah, they were rolling. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They got to number one or two. So they get to two. Well, maybe Purdue was still number one at that time. Yeah, they were up there though, and then they yeah. kind of took a little bit of a nosedive, and they've come back up. It feels like a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Xavier as a three seed in the Midwest is interesting. Like they just they just blasted. Um, I know I was just singing Creighton's praises, but like they just detonated on Creighton uh, at, at the Big sure. tournament. Yeah, Colby Jones is really good. I mean, I guess 
that's one of the best wins Duke had, uh, yeah, especially uh, early in the yep. season. That's a I good. Think it is our best win, right? Neutral floor. Um, yeah, probably. Probably. And then, yeah. What's the deal with um? I should have. I should know this, but is Norchad O'Meara? Is he playing for that's Miami? What I, that's what I was wondering too. So, because that that Drake team is gonna be tough for them. I think yeah. that was we talked about on the last pod. I think that was the closest Vegas line, right? Of the five twelve. Yeah, two points to the five twelve. Yeah, yeah. And without yeah, without Amir, I mean, they're they're not. They're just not the same. I mean, yeah. like the the number. I mean, like. I looked this up mid-season um, when I was just looking at like some of their like on-off numbers and like yeah like they even if they have four starters on the court but Amir on the bench like it's they're nowhere near the same and like you know Anthony Walker's like a pretty athletic and experienced you know front court guy but obviously Amir is like it's just a totally different and he's like what they what they're trying to do guarding pick and roll like they really need Amir and his like ability and foot speed for that so but they the they. Pick? The they big would white totally guy they had last year. Do you guys Sam Wardenberg? Yes. Yeah, that guy was tearing. Yeah. He was what he had like ten assists against us. He could really, really <laughs> shoot and stretch the court too. They were yeah. tough. Like, yeah, oh yeah. I give I give Larinaga credit. Like they last year were like, all right, we got this like six ten dude that can't protect the rim, but he can really shoot. All right, we're playing five out and we're trapping every ball <laughs> yep. screen. Like they yeah. weren't a good defense, but they forced a ton of turnovers last mm-hmm. season. Um. And they've done they've they've dialed that back a little bit this year, but they're still pretty aggressive with when when they have Amir rolling. Um, and Amir's and a good with, offensive player too, so it's a loss yes. on that end as well. He initiates. They do a lot. Like obviously, with like they have two really good guards, so like Wong and Pack can initiate offense. But like they do a lot of like five out, like shuffle or like delay with offense with Amir initiating in the middle of the court and like getting into the, a handoff and then flowing from stuff. And so like, yeah, they're missing like one of their most important playmakers and play finishers too. Like they would just be such a, a sweet 16 elite eight team if they were fully healthy, but mm-hmm. without Amir, it's just, uh, I mean, it's it, the timing just sucks for mm-hmm. them. It really yeah. does. Yeah. Um, all right, Brian, last hypothetical for you to, to mix both of your things here. Um, yeah. So if you were having to pick one player from Duke to join the Hornets next season, who you got? <laughs> oh man, some good, Mm-mm. some good choices. Cause like there's one, on one hand you're like, would you just take Tariq and just like bet on the up? Like that might be like, that's like the upside play and they've got Mark now. So there's like less of a need for lively. Mm-hmm. I would probably take Filipowski. Yeah. I think that. I would take Filipowski, but like you could make a case for I think you could make a case for Whitehead, you know, and like heck, what 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 with what Derek's doing defensive, I know we didn't talk about him much on defense, but like Lively's versatility, scheme versatility, pick and roll, defensive rim protection, it's it's special stuff. Like he's been he's just been so like, he's been awesome this year. Um and so I, again, I would take Filipowski and then real quickly here at the end, this, this won't be attached to anything else, but just would like to shout out, uh, Mark Mitchell, his help backside help defense, I think late in the season, especially has been really, really good. So I wanted to, I did want to mention that. So I'm sneaking it in here at the mm-hmm. 11th hour, but, um, he's putting out fires for Duke, um, and, and being like a, not blocking a lot of shots, but just being like a being vertical at the rim, not and fouling, in the right place at the right time. Fouling. Yeah, yeah. He he saved two layups against UNC in Chapel Hill, and then there was I think it was the Miami game. He stopped a layup, or it was Miami or UVA. He prevented a layup at the rim too. So just like uh, he's a, he's a really nice player going forward for Duke. And, and also I, coming back to what you said earlier about Mark, him, you know, moving more. Yes. I think I said it on a podcast earlier, like. Sometime earlier in the season, he'd kind of get, wouldn't say stagnant, but he would just be in a spot up position, really. And now that he's kind of being more active and putting more pressure, I think we had the stat um, when when Mark scores 10 or more points, I think Duke is now, what are we up to, 14 and 1. 14 and 1, yeah. Yeah, when Mark Ooh. scores in double figures. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, we need yeah. him to to, yeah. to be aggressive, aggressive on that end of the ball. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's a swing piece and they don't have to run plays for him. Like he just like hustles, like he, you know, you know he cuts, he runs, he fills the lane, Very gets rebounds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really nice player going forward for them. Yeah. I think it's him. I think it's him and lively that have allowed us to keep playing big without getting played mm-hmm. off the floor. Yeah. Those I think two guys so have been too. the key to me. 
I think so too, especially because like they want to guard ball screens with Lively close to the level. And if you do that, you need guys on the backside to be impactful. And and Mitchell's been he's given them that that force, that punch. Yep. Yep. Um well, Brian, we appreciate you coming on here, man. Oh, she's got something else. I was I was just gonna one right <laughs> before you got into your meantime stuff. Uh Raul had brought up the uh the um Danny Ferry class of eighty-nine. I wanted to just give a shout out to uh, another dude mm. class of eighty-nine guy, Ed Armstrong, for uh sending this really nice email, uh just thanking us for for what we're doing and we appreciate you listening, Ed. So that was yep. shout out to Ed. Um where was I going with that? Oh yeah. In the meantime. Yeah. In the meantime, <laughs> nah. Um, Brian, uh, thanks again for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Would love to get you back over the summer and start to talk about the next crop of guys here. Um, before we get out of here, anything you want to plug, talk about anything you're working on? What's what should we be on the lookout for? Yeah. Um, tr- at at two four seven Sports, we'll be covering you know as much as I can Duke in the NCAA tournament, State in the NCAA tournament. Um, I'm trying to uh, get a get a, a a preview piece looking at Creighton versus NC State that would be up at Pac Pride before that game on Friday. So I've been doing a lot of a lot of Creighton film the last few days, which is actually quite fun. They're 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 a blast to watch. Um and uh so doing stuff there on Twitter and and then yeah like once the offseason gets going like you know g- getting getting ready for the draft and for the transfer window. Like yeah. that has become such a fun time of the like April through June, I really like. Um, it's become like a really fun and maybe stressful too, but like mm-hmm. there's like there's like there's less games to watch. You know, there's the playoffs are going on, and then there's just like film, college film to go through. So it gets a really nice mix for me. So yeah. we'll be covering stuff at the Devil Den, um, Pack Pride, Demon Deacon Digest, uh, some stuff at Streaking the Lawn, which is like the UVA SB Nation site, and um anywhere else in between. Nice, nice. Sounds like you got got a lot on your plate. Going to be pretty busy here coming up. So for sure, uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Though this is always yeah. like it's very fun to come on here and and nerd out and talk. <laughs> yeah, no, we love, fun, we love it. Fun, fun Duke basketball stuff. It's a good time. Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully, we can do it again. We'll have to be able to talk about some draft stuff coming up. Um, sure. Probably going to have a few guys that are maybe on the fence a little bit, so that could get interesting. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, in the meantime, rate, review, subscribe, email us at thedevilsdenpod at gmail.com. You can find us on the boards at thedevilsden.com. Um, tune in. You know, hopefully this will probably drop before the game. But if if not, you know, Duke's playing Orville Roberts Thursday at 7. So plug that again. And uh, hopefully we can continue this nine-game winning streak and make a little noise. Keep those faces strong in the verve. Go Duke.